This is the Be Undomesticated Podcast. To the Be Undomesticated podcast. Today is May 12th, 2023. It is a beautiful Friday here in the state of Michigan. We're actually dodging raindrops right now, and I am recording outside. So if you get some feedback from our chickens and the road noise, I do apologize, but it's beautiful out here, and I don't want to be inside. Unless it starts to rain, and then you'll see an audio change because I will have to move inside. So um, today, we are actually going to be doing our segmented podcast, so we have all sorts of fun things we're going to talk about. We are going to discuss why on earth I took six weeks off from actually doing this. We're going to do a recap of all the fun things that we have accomplished around the homestead, as well as talk about the things that we have to accomplish around the homestead here. Um, we're going to talk about the things that we've been eating on lately. We've had some pretty tasty dishes, so I want to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about corn, 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 and more corn. Uh, what else? What else? We're going to talk about what happened in history in the past couple of weeks here. Um, we actually have a new segment starting today. It's going to be a health tip of the week. So that's kind of going to be a fun one. Nothing, nothing major or anything. I am not a doctor by any means. But, you know, we will uh, try to bring you something helpful and useful that maybe you can use in your homestead journey. We'll briefly touch on a couple of different books that I actually listened to here in the last six weeks that had a lot to do with several inspirational figures and their incredible journeys that they went on in history to become the incredible people that they were. So that's going to kind of lead into our main topic of the day, which is going to be about rewriting your story and how it's up to you, it's on you, and maybe maybe it's the right time for you to take a look at your story and see if you're actually happy with the way that it currently reads and maybe you need to change it. So we're going to go ahead and jump right on in here by doing a recap of what happened here in the past almost two months and why on earth I was gone for so long. So let's go ahead and touch on that part first. So the past six weeks have seen several changes going on around our homestead here and just things ramping up and getting more and more busy. Um, one of the big things is getting ready for all of our farmer's markets that we have coming up. Along with my part-time job of running the farmer's market in the area, that has taken up a ton of time trying to juggle the emails and juggle the phone calls and figure out the application process for everyone. It's taken a lot and frankly, I just didn't have extra to put into any other things, but <clears throat> On top of that, my fishing tournament started up, so we've had a couple of those now. They've been going pretty good, even though fishing's still tough here in the state of Michigan. Uh, we had some car issues. We found out we're having a girl, so we put a whole bunch of effort into that kind of stuff. We have spring has officially sprung here in Michigan, so we put up the fencing in the garden, got all the straw down. We put the trellises up in the garden. We planted radishes and carrots and peas so it has kept us extremely busy around here not to mention all the stuff that we've been doing with the quail trying to sell quail you know in our local area here as well as getting our own business ready for the upcoming markets so it's been it's been a lot and obviously you know 
my wife is exhausted almost all the time because she is currently pregnant and you know it takes a lot out of you when you're trying to do that on top of working full time which she does awesome with plus trying to handle her one and a half kids between our daughter and myself so big shout out to her with that but all right with that we're gonna go ahead and jump right on in to our farmstead features like i said we're gonna just kind of talk about what's been going on around the homestead i already touched on some of this but you know we'll go ahead and shoot down my list real quick and then we'll move on so sold a lot of quail this spring sold more live quail this spring than i have the rest of the time we've had a business combined so that's been really awesome and i think it's something i'm going to do a couple of batches every year of it was our own eggs so i didn't have to buy the eggs just you know hashed them out raised them up a couple of weeks and started selling them and I got great response, made a little bit of money off of it, enough to pay for the feed and to, you know, that puts some in our, our freezer because we couldn't sell all of them. So that's been really good. Uh, we got our straw down in our garden. Like I said, got the fences up, got the trellis up, planted our radishes, parrot, peas, carrots. Had to clean out the quail cages again because they were getting gross. We actually got our bunnies bred currently. So we are a couple of weeks out from expecting baby bunnies. So... I will give you an update on that when we get closer to it. Hopefully, we'll have lots of baby bunnies going into this summer. So last year, our riding lawnmower actually died on us at the end of the year. So this spring, I found a used one, and honestly, it's been what my project has been today, is trying to get it back working again. Because we got one whole mowing season or mowing session out of it, and then I was halfway through our front yard, and it died the other day. So we've been dealing with that, but part of what we got with that was we actually got a bagger system. And the bagger is going to be really instrumental, not only trying to just keep our yard looking nice and we'll add it to a compost pile and, you know, get a nice hot compost, let it sit for a long time, burn everything out of there. But we're actually going to also be using that to feed our rabbits some. So we're going to um, take some of the clippings and give, you know, one or two handfuls each day that we have fresh clippings to our rabbits in order to give them some fresh food. And also to give them, you know, help offset some of our feed costs, which... I mean, every little bit helps with that, you know, um, they are in cages because our breeders are not going to be out on grass. We're going to keep those right in the cages and then our grow outs will actually be on grass in a hoop style chicken tractor is what we're going to try. And we're going to hope that we can rotate them often enough to where they don't burrow their way on out of there. Uh, yeah, we will. We'll have to see how that goes. We're not exactly sure. We've never kept rabbits in that way before. We've never really. I haven't had rabbits since I was a kid. So this is all kind of new to us. So we're going to kind of muddle our way through it and see what we can do. Our jumbo quail have started laying, which is fantastic. I have a ton of jumbo males that I have to butcher out. And then I'm going to pick the best ones that I feel are the biggest and, you know, the healthiest. And we're going to put them back in with our, our hens and get some fertile eggs and try to hatch out some more. Because we want to really transition from the beautiful colored quails over to just strictly jumbo um, sexable feather sexable quails because that really it's going to save us so much time with the number of quail that we do it's not really feasible to have quail that we can't just look at and tell if it's a male or female um, it would take us a long time to go through each of our cages and try to separate out males females all that we don't want to deal with it anymore plus we really love the size that we've got with our jumbos they are 
probably 50, 45 to 50% bigger than our standard size quail. So we really like that. It's going to give us a lot more meat when we actually go to process out, which is great. And, you know, they do lay a quite a sizably larger egg, which is also fantastic. On top of that, we just kind of had our general spring cleaning around here. We've been trying to get everything cleaned up from the winter. We got our wood area, like for our firewood, that was right beside our house. We got most of that cleaned up now, looking a lot better. Um, unfortunately, with our mower being broken again, I haven't been able to keep up on the lawn quite yet, so it's starting to look like a short hay field out there. But hopefully I'll be able to get that kind of dialed in and figured out and get the correct parts for it here either tomorrow maybe or monday we'll just have to see kind of what we can do and hopefully get that back going just so we can get the the yard knocked back down because we really don't want to let it get out of hand and it just gives a nice breeding ground for ticks and all sorts of bugs and it just doesn't look as nice so you know hopefully we can get that under control and get back after it like for that all right we're going to kind of breeze through our what needs to happen here in the next week we have like I said, we have a lot of males, male quail that we need to butcher out. We need to upplant some of our plant starts. So we have a whole bunch of different plant starts going right now. We need to upplant the tomatoes and peppers and those and get the ones that don't need to be upplanted and just can go directly into the ground. They need to go in the ground now. They're getting getting real big. Uh, we started onions from seed this year. Those are not real big. So we're going to hope that they're big enough to go out there. We've been hardening them off here this week. So hopefully fingers crossed it'll be all right and they'll go out and actually grow us some onions if not you know i guess we have farmers markets we can buy a lot of onions at because we do use a ton of onions at our house outside of that it's mainly a lot of administrative work going with uh my market job as well as um need to work on the website for the podcast here and for our business would like to get both of those kind of up and rolling here soon and then I have, I don't know, seven-ish gallons of mead that I need to rack over to their final bottling and uh, get off of our bookcase. So that way, maybe if my other mead ever decrystallizes, I can get those started and get even more done. So that way, we can just have a nice stock of it and not have to be messing around with trying to um, ferment more. All right, that brings us to our next topic, which is going to be flora focus. Like I said, this week we are talking all about corn, but we're not talking about corn that a lot of people think of when they think of growing corn in their garden, because we don't actually grow sweet corn at our house. We are going to be growing more ornamental corn and more like popcorn. So the different types that we're going to be growing or trying to grow this year, the first is actually called Earth Tones Dent. The second is Indian corn, and we have bloody butcher those are all um if you think of you know indian corn that you're going to buy in fall for your decorations they're that kind of style of corn but we're going to be trying to use those and actually grind them to make our own cornmeal our own corn flour that kind of stuff the other two types that we're trying are japanese holus and blue miniature both of those are actually a popcorn variety so with me going to so many farmers markets, I see how much sweet corn is available out there. And we don't really want to put any effort into growing that sweet corn because we can get that very affordably from a lot of local vendors. But what we can't get is a lot of this type of stuff that we really would like to try out and see if we can grow our own 
flour, quote-unquote, substitute. Also, I mean, popcorn's a delicious snack, so why not try to grow our own and see what we can do with it? So let's talk about the history of corn for just a hot second here. Um, it was selectively bred, supposedly in Mexico. It's very shaky timeline on this. There's a lot of different years and times that are thrown around, so I don't even really have a good solid solid time frame to give you. But that's where it originated from, is in the Central America kind of area. And now it is spread throughout the world, but a lot of it is still grown mainly here in the Americas. So anywhere from Canada all the way down to south into South America, quite a ways into South America, it's kind of is gonna kind of be the main corn growing areas. Like I said, you know, most people when they think of growing corn in their garden, they're growing sweet corn. But there's a lot of other varieties out there. That's going to kind of bring us into our next um, part of this flora focus, and that's going to be different uses for the corn. Like I said, you know, you can eat it as sweet corn if you, excuse me, you can eat it as a vegetable if you grow sweet corn. Um, a lot of the different varieties can be ground into cornmeal, can be used to make hominy, which, if you look into that, it takes, you know, lye that you use to actually get the holes off of the corn and then you can use it for a lot of various things it's there's a ton of information on the internet and i am not well versed in it so i'm not going to even try to explain it um obviously you can grow popcorn you can grow um different types of corn for masa for and even making you know your own corn whiskey if you have a still and you want to try to do that you know what better way than to grow your own mash so Lots of different uses for corn, and it's something that we haven't actually successfully grown here on our homestead. This is something we're really trying to ramp up this year and trying to grow a variety of different things that we can't necessarily get easily from other producers in our area. That's going to bring us up to our, normally this week in history, but it's been a couple of weeks here, so we're going to just kind of, this relative time frame in history. Um, on May 1st, 2011, Osama bin Laden was killed in Pakistan. So May 3rd of 1803, the U.S. purchased the Louisiana Purchase for the astounding sum of less than three cents an acre. May 1st, 1867, black voter registration actually began in the South for the first time, which is absolutely wonderful to hear. Um, May 4th, 1930, Ganda was arrested by the British. Let's see, let's see. May 6th, 1527, the Germans captured Rome, burning their library, killed a ton of people, and even captured the Pope. So, wasn't a good time for the Roman Empire. And in five, uh, May 7th, 1945, Germany signed the Unconditional Surrender, officially ending World War II. So, a lot of big things that have happened, you know, not only in recent history with relatively recent history with, you know, the ending of World War II, with Bin Laden being killed, but things further back in the United States history, the Louisiana Purchase, black voters being able to register for voting in the South, um, even going back ancient history with the Germans taking over Rome, that was a huge deal back then, you know. It was the fall of the big empire, so. Yeah, lots of, lots of interesting things have happened in the month of May in historical context all right so let's go ahead and move on so from historical context we're actually going to kind of pivot 
and go talk about what we've been eating. Oh my goodness gracious, what have we been eating? So when I started to put this segment together, I asked my wife, you know, what, what, what exactly have we been cooking around here lately? And quite frankly, she couldn't tell me anything, which is not good. That means we've been eating far too many frozen pizzas and macaroni and cheese. But, you know, we did put our heads together and come up with a couple of different items that we've made here in the past, I don't know, month or so. So I figured I'd share them with you. So we actually made a bunch of tacos. One of our huge things we did was pork tacos and chicken tacos. That was a full chicken and a pork, big, big pork roast. Obviously, lots and lots of seasonings, all of that. Threw it in the crock pot and let them cook down completely. Just got really tender. Then the pork, I actually took and threw it in a frying pan. Fried it up so you got nice and crispy. Oh, it was good stuff. Um, on top of that, made a whole bunch of different sauces. So we had like a cilantro sauce. We had different um, roasted vegetable sauces. Kind of like ketchup, but more um, spicy and richer than ketchup generally normally is uh, made up really good slaw that had you know cabbage and carrots and onion and cilantro and lime juice in it kind of really added that level of freshness to the tacos um, we used canned pineapple to give it nice acidic um, sweet acidic complemented the pork and the chicken very well made up some really good pico de gallo i've never really made pico de gallo before and so you know, reading into it and finding out, you know, it's not just a salsa. You do actually want to do it ahead of time so it can kind of marinate and, you know, sit in its own juice and kind of permeate that that flavor throughout. It was kind of interesting. and I thought it was quite tasty. Um, made up some guacamole, which I generally don't do because it's more effort than I'm normally willing to put into it. And we really enjoy the spicy cilantro sauce that I make. So normally we don't really look to add any more creaminess to our tacos, but made up some guacamole and it was quite tasty. And of course, you know, even though I didn't make them, we pretty much always use corn tortillas at this point when we're making our tacos. You know, I've been around a lot of people from Mexico who have Mexicans who have come up here and, you know, I've eaten their food. Oh my God, it's delicious, you know, and it's, always on a corn tortilla. I have never had a Mexican hand me a flour tortilla. So, you know, when in Rome and you're trying to make Roman food, you're going to use what the Romans use. So, when you're making Mexican food, you want to use what the Mexicans use. And, oh my god, corn tortillas really make it. Throw a little olive oil in a pan, fry them up, and get them just a little crispy, but to where they still bend quite nicely. So good. Uh, a couple other things that we've tried here in the past month or so been doing a little bit more with pestos so we did or i did a normal pesto actually tonight we did another pesto just a nice basil pesto pine nuts you know just a standard one it was quite good uh the first time that i did a basil pesto we didn't have pine nuts but we had peanuts so i substituted the peanuts in instead and i actually i think i preferred that more but my wife likes the corn nut one or the pine nut one so we'll We'll continue down that route, most likely. Uh, let's see, let's see. Uh, I actually tried a cilantro-based pesto, which wasn't bad. Um, it was a little different. I don't know if it's something we'll do again, but it wasn't bad. And it just goes to show, you know, be willing, be willing to be adventurous with your foods and try making different things. We wouldn't have known that we wouldn't didn't really like cilantro pesto until we tried it. 
we didn't know that we'd really like basil pesto until we tried it. You know, making your own pesto is quite different from buying pesto in. So really encourage you if you haven't ever tried it. They're very easy once you've figured out what you're doing. You know, find a good recipe that you you want to follow and follow it and just see what you think of it. <clears throat> uh, probably the last thing we'll talk about for what we've been making here lately is just uh, we made some goat chops. So one of the vendors that actually comes to my markets, they grow and sell goats. And so we, I was able to get some goat chops from them. Teeny, teeny, tiny little, I don't even know how big, probably two and a half, maybe three inches. Not very big at all. We were eating, you know, three to four a person, and it still wasn't a ton of food. Honestly, I wish that I knew how to cook goat better, because I think that I did them a disservice. They were uh, not cooked very well. Some of them were overcooked, some of them were undercooked, and it just, I didn't do them a good service on that. So maybe we'll get some more here in the future and we'll try it again. If not, maybe I'll get like a goat roast and try to do some sort of maybe a green curry, kind of an Indian styled goat dish and see what we, maybe we can do something different with that because we would like to be able to expand into a different type of meat completely and be able to, you know, change up our diet even that much more. All right, with that, it's going to bring us to our new segment for this week. It's health tips. So today's health tip is going to be all about treating poison ivy. Um, very basic steps that I found when trying to figure this out on the interwebs. You know, you want to rinse the area, change your clothes as soon as you possibly can. If you've noticed that you've gotten into the poison ivy and you have that oil on your skin, you want to get it off there as quick as you possibly can. Um, once you do have the rash, you can take a bath with either oatmeal or with baking soda, and that'll help to draw out the oils that are in the the, um, the rashes. And hopefully it'll help to kind of alleviate some of your itching. Apple cider vinegar also, I've read, can help with that. I do everything I possibly can to avoid getting into poison ivy. So I can't tell you for sure that apple cider vinegar works, but I have read that. Um, one thing that we always did growing up was actually laundry detergent because it would kind of dry your skin out. And so you kind of wash with laundry detergent and that would help you to be able to pull the oils out and get your skin to where it's able to stop spreading it at least and hopefully start to actually repair itself over time. But yeah, like I said, just going to be real fast tips like that, you know, and then we will move right along. Real quickly, we're going to talk touch on some of the uh the inspirational shit that i've been listening to here lately um real af podcast with annie priscilla absolutely fantastic inspiring podcast when it comes to business things and personal development and listening to people with a different outlook on various um things that are happening in the world than you're generally going to get from mainstream or even a lot of uh, not mainstream or alternative media, you're not going to get some of the takes that they have. So that one I would really uh, recommend that you guys check out. The other one I've been listening quite a bit to, and I actually signed up for their Patreon, the first ever thing that I've signed up for on Patreon, is Bear Independent. Um, they do a lot of the conspiratorial stuff, but then they also do a lot of homesteading stuff, which is really great. They do some religious stuff, which has been okay. Um so yeah, I would if you haven't checked out Bear Independent, definitely look into them. Um, they do a lot of prepper stuff. If you're into that kind of thing, 
there's just a lot of different topics that they cover on their channels. And again, that's another one where they do, they call them briefs, where it's more, this is crazy stuff that's happening, or, you know, some of it is, hey, we've heard this, so take it with a grain of salt, as you will. But, you know, it might not be a bad thing to hear about some of that stuff. And sometimes, I know with, like, uh, the Nord Stream Pipeline stuff, they were talking about it before it actually came out public that we were kind of involved in that. So, anyways, you know, those are two things that I really, are two podcasts that I recommend you look into, or YouTube channels. They both have YouTube channels as well. So, check them out and see what you think of them. Alright, that's going to bring us to our eighth eighth segment already, goodness gracious. What have I been listening to? This is where we talk about different audiobooks generally. Generally, it's audiobooks that I've been listening to, and we kind of discuss them real quick. Uh, the first one is called Further Than Any Man, and it's actually the story of Captain Cook. So I really, I'm kind of a history buff. I love listening to books about history, and so I have been looking for a new historical figure to kind of learn about, and this is one that just randomly popped up on Audible. I was like, eh, you know, we'll give it a try. And it was very interesting. I knew very little about Captain Cook going into this book, and so it was very um, eye-opening to learn about all the things that he did and the accomplishments that he had. Um, one thing that really stood out to me about Captain Cook himself was his ability to get his men to follow his orders. Him and his men would be out on the ocean for months and months and months at a time with very, very little interaction with anyone outside of their own ship. And he still was able to get them to, instead of, you know, turning north and heading away from the South Pole, they he would get them to go even further south trying to find that southern continent, which is one of the big things that he was trying. He came very close several times. So it really stood out to me that he was able to not only inspire his men, but get them to continue to push on towards this this dream that he had. It wasn't necessarily their dream. They weren't out there wanting the fame and fortune. They weren't going to get anything out of it besides their pay. But he was still able to get them to go out and continue pushing on, even though it was really, really shitty. Listening to the book about him, though, it was really kind of interesting to to learn that he actually didn't even join the Royal Navy until he was 27 years old. He had been all sorts of different things in his backstory, but he eventually ended up in the uh, civilian mercantile side of um, shipping. And so he was operating different vessels and things over in England, British Channel and all that. And so he, he actually took a huge step backwards in his career to join the Navy because he knew that that was kind of his ticket to be able to go and check out these, um, to be an explorer, to be an adventurer. And even though it wasn't sexy or, you know, we look back on it as, oh, you know, they were an explorer. At the time, it was really not encouraged. It was very looked down upon. Um, Captain Cook was someone who really reached outside of his his um, place in the social hierarchy. You know, England, obviously, people know the history of England. There was always a kind of an upper class and there was a lower class. And he was very, very firmly in the lower class, but he was able to reach above it and partially due to luck, partially due to his tenacity, he made really good connections in the upper class that helped him. But ultimately, he was able to push himself into the higher 
circles of society just through sheer determination and will. Unfortunately, he got really, really cocky the further into his career he went. So he would be almost treated like a god by some people that he, or by like islanders that he would meet, and he would play on that big time. Um, he ultimately ended up being killed in Hawaii because he pissed the natives off, and they're like, okay, you're obviously not a god. You've been playing god, but you're not. And now you left, but you came back again. And so they ended up killing him there on the spot. So something to be said about, you know, checking your greed at the door and not letting your head get too big for your shoulders because ultimately it could end up in your demise. The other book that I completed listening to, I have a third that I might touch on briefly at the end, but the other book that I finished listening to was called Into Africa. And for a lot of my um, American listeners, they might not even recognize the names on this, but I think people who are living in Europe or abroad would rec- probably recognize these names. Um, David Livingston and Henry Morgan Stanley. Stanley might not be recognized as much, but David Livingston, I'm sure, is. He is the Lewis and Clark of England or Britain, to be quite honest with my American listeners, you know, to put it in context for you. So Livingston, extremely tenacious, driven individual. Um, he started his career, if you want to call it that, as a missionary and fighting the slave trade in Africa, you know, trying to bring awareness and trying, doing his best to bring an end to it. Ultimately, he wasn't very good at that, but, you know, that's what he started out as. And eventually he actually transitions over to trying to find the source of the Nile. So that is was his big big driving factor for most of his adult life. Um, he would come back to England from time to time for short periods of time, and then he would go back to Africa and spend years and years, you know, trying to traverse his way through Africa. Um, when a lot of Americans, I think, think of traversing their way through Africa, it is not what he was doing. He would have a very, very large group of Africans of you know people that he is hired on to transport all of his crap for him so it's not you know a small party it was you know 20 to 25 people traveling at Livingston's expense at some of the um, scientific community that he was involved with expense in Africa so that was kind of interesting you know he is credited with a lot but he did not do it on his own whatsoever. But like I said, you know, he had started his career out as a missionary and changed course drastically to try to find the source of the Nile. Henry Morgan Stanley is actually a, uh, was, he's not around anymore, but he was a, um, a reporter at one point. He was very much more of a con man, but ultimately he wasn't a bad guy. He just, um, he would take advantage of all situations put in front of him. Um, Very, very great lesson. If you have, you know, an audible credit burn hole in your pocket, I would recommend it, It, especially for Americans who aren't familiar with these characters. Very interesting. Um, One thing, again, that struck me with these, this book, though, and with these two people's stories is they both made just huge life-altering changes later in life. 
you know, um, Henry Morgan Stanley was a soldier. He was a merchant or worked in a mercantile. You know, he was an orphan. He was abandoned by his prostitute mother. And, you know, he pulled himself up by his bootstraps, all that. But he also made this huge change after the Civil War. He's one of the very few people who served on both sides of the Civil War, which I thought was really humorous. And actually is the only person on record, at least, who fought for three different factions in the Civil War. So he fought for the South, he fought for the North, and he fought for the Union's Navy. So very interesting, you know, that he is the only one on record doing that, which was kind of a cool thing to learn. But like I said, both of them made huge changes in their lives later on in life, which, as you'll see, is going to carry over into our next topic here. Alright, so for our big main topic of the day, we're actually going to be talking about you know, reinventing yourself, rewriting your story. Um, right from the word go, obviously this is going to be a very hard thing to do. You know, changing the the story of you is not something that's going to come easily, but if it's what needs to happen, it's going to be very rewarding and worth it in the end. Um, for those of you who don't know, I actually quit my uh, my career that I had gone to school for, oh crap, I don't know, five, six years ago now. Went back to what I was doing in high school, which was swinging a hammer, you know, doing construction. And then a year ago, I actually quit that job completely and just stayed home with my daughter, and or with our daughter, my wife and I's daughter, and did the farmer's market stuff of just having our booth at the farmer's market and trying to make our business work. So, you know, I've gone through a couple of different rebirths in my uh, my professional life, along with um, some pretty significant changes in how I conduct myself as a person. So I, I can kind of speak from experience when talking about rewriting your story and, you know, um, who you are in trying to change that drastically. So I can tell you right up front, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be a giant pain, but it can definitely be rewarding and definitely be worth it in the end. Um, first of all, let's talk about why. Why Why would you want to do that? So maybe you are just unhappy with how how things are in your life and you need to make a one or you need to make one key change in your life that is going to make all the difference for you maybe you drink a lot maybe you party a lot and so you need to change that in your life and that one key thing is going to rewrite your story it's gonna change who you are because if you aren't you know drunk off your ass friday night saturday night and hung over all day saturday sunday it's going to be a very different you that people are going to be able to know get to know and you're going to be way more productive even during the week it's going to be a huge change that you'll see in yourself. So maybe that one key change is what it's going to take. Um, one thing to really keep in mind when we're talking about this is don't do this just because you're bored. Like that's not going to be a good route for you to go. It's not going to be healthy because once you be you get bored again, you're going to want to rewrite your story again. Which part of that is just how your life is going to evolve as you go. You know, don't always be looking for that next 
the next big rewrite of who you are, because I don't think that's really a healthy way to go either. Um, for me, I, I, um, so for me, I made some of my changes when I absolutely had to make changes, and we've made some of our changes when we felt that we should make changes. For instance, you know, when I transitioned out of the career that I went to college for, that was something that really, it had been a long time coming. Um, there's a lot of extenuating circumstances that went into it. Um, some of it self-inflicted, some of it just the people I was surrounded by. So that one was more of a, it needs to change. But whereas last year when I quit and went full-time, quote-unquote full-time with our farmer's market stuff and being a stay-at-home dad, that wasn't necessarily something that had to change right now. But, you know, we made that call when the time felt appropriate for us. So maybe, you know, take a look at your life and see if there's a way that you can maybe, if you feel you need to take that change and make that huge step in your life to change who you are, rewrite your story. Maybe you can actually plan it out so it's not just such a huge shock, you know. You don't just pick up and move and quit your job and move, you know, 10 states away kind of deal. You can kind of transition into it so you're rewriting your story in a much slower pace, which would probably be a healthier way to go about it than, you know, flipping your boss off and leaving two black tire marks in his driveway as you leave. Ask me how I know. But even going back to the, the two books that I talked about earlier, and, you know, Captain Cook, who rewrote his story when he was 27, you know, that might not seem that old, but he started working when he was 12. You know, he was 15 years in a career when he rewrote who he was and how he was going to do things. And now we remember his name over a lot of other people who didn't do that or who did that but not as successfully. Um, Livingston, you know, rewrote his story from his pious upbringing and is being a missionary in Africa, completely rewrote that to being an adventurer and being an explorer in Africa, which, again, like I said before, is at that point in time wasn't a glamorous thing. It wasn't something that people really looked up to. It was something you were kind of the lower dregs of society if you were willing to go out and do that kind of thing. It's not like we think today of, you know, going on an African safari and being able to go over there and do all these awesome things, which today is such, just such a fantastic thing and it's very lauded, you know, if you're able to afford to be able to do that and take that time. Back then, it wasn't really so much a great thing in people's eyes. It was something that, you know, a very select few had, quite frankly, had the balls to go do. And so, you know, just keep that in mind that, like I said, this is going to be hard. If you're going to rewrite your story, it's going to be difficult. But if Livingston hadn't rewritten his story from being a monk, or not, excuse me, not being a monk, being a missionary, we wouldn't know who he was. If Captain Cook had stayed in the civilian fleet, no one would know the name Captain Cook. They are known because they took those steps to rewrite themselves. They both took steps backwards, took steps sideways. You know, Cook especially took a huge step backwards in his actual career in order to move forward to the point that he wanted to have or wanted to be at. So maybe you need to sit down and establish that, that end game goal and see if, Hey, you know what? I actually do need to take a step backward in my career. I need to make less money in order to move up in, you know, the latter three steps to my left. 
instead of the ladder that I'm currently on. Maybe I have to go back to the ground and start over because I can't just hop from this ladder to that ladder. If you're considering doing this, I really would encourage you to sit down with a piece of paper and a pencil and try to work out a strategy, try to work out steps for doing it in a way that's not you, you know, just walking out on your job and turning your complete life upside down. I don't have steps and tips and tricks and strategy to give you to do that because I've never taken that kind of time to sit down and think it out. Um, it's always been kind of a, a gut thing that we just kind of jumped off that railroad track and into the water and went with it. Um, we did do some planning when it came last year when I was going to quit my job in order to, you know, hey, can we afford to do this even? Can we afford to drop down to just one salary? Which, as it turned out, money is tight, but yes, we can do that, which has been great. But I don't have like a, a step-by-step guide to give you to rewriting your story. Because everyone's story is different. Everyone's, everyone's everything is different. And it has to be very tailor-made for you. So the only one who can really come up with that is you and your spouse. If you're married or your significant other, if you're dating someone you've been together for a while, you need to sit down and work that kind of stuff out together because it's not going to be just you at that point that you're, you're not only writing your own book, you're helping to write other people's books. All right, with that, we are going to move on to our quote of the day. Today's quote was by Francis of Assisi. I think that's how you say that. He was a friar from Italy in sometime in the 1100s. Start by doing what is necessary, then what is possible, and suddenly you are doing the impossible. So I think that really ties in to our last segment of, you know, rewriting your your story. Figure out what you have to do in order to just get through and do that. Then figure out what's possible for you to do and do that. Notice I'm saying and do that after both of those. You need to actually execute on that. And once you've executed on that, momentum breeds momentum. You know, body motion stays in motion. And all of a sudden, you're going to be able to do the shit that you didn't think you were going to be able to do. That you... You know, back when you were just figuring out, sitting down, figuring out what is necessary, you never in a million years would dream that you're actually doing what you're doing now. So sit down and figure that kind of stuff out. That'll bring us up to our verse of the day. Today is going to be um, three verses, actually, from Jeremiah chapter 29, starting at verse 11 through 14. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. God has a plan for you. Whether you actually believe in him or not, you know, that might be an un, unpopular thing to say, but, you know, he doesn't require your beliefs to exist. So he has a plan for you. You just don't know that plan. Whether you think you have it all dialed in and figured out, or whether you're just lost and spinning and partying it up every weekend like I was, you know, he has a plan for you, and you can't even begin to imagine what that plan is. So, rewriting your story might be that step that's required to get to the next part of your plan that he has for you. 
Um, with that, we are actually going to go ahead and wrap up. I do thank you for bearing with me. This has been a much longer podcast than most of my podcasts in the past. Um, obviously, we had a lot to go over from the past six weeks. So thank you so much for bearing with me. I do apologize, and I'm going to try to be more on top of things when it comes to getting out podcasts in timely fashion. Um, next week, we actually have a fun podcast that my wife and I are going to be doing. We're going to be going through some headlines and kind of giving you guys our feedback on them. So that'll be kind of fun. I'm looking forward to that one. I've never had her on the podcast, and so it'll be her first appearance here on the Be Undomesticated podcast. But with that, I am going to sign out. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening, and until next time, remember, be undomesticated.